Coming up on This Week in Games, developers speak out against sexual assault in the workplace, Playtika acquires a top grossing studio, and a pair of Messenger and VR fundraising rounds close. Coming up This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and this week was filled with a lot of expression and reflection. I mean, the main story this week isn't something I enjoy covering, and unfortunately, it's something that comes up in the game industry maybe more often than other entertainment and media industries. Maybe we're more reflective. Maybe we're more outspoken. Um, I don't know. Maybe I don't pay enough attention to music, movies, television, but... It's definitely something that us as an industry, we have to look kind of like back in the mirror at ourselves and, you know, really change the zeitgeist of what game studios are. And so I'll kick off the main story this week, and that is a large number of developers have come forward to speak out against sexual assault in the workplace. So on Monday, Natalie Lawhead, a developer at Tetra Gagon, Gaydon Games, came forward to describe a long history of one of the game industry's biggest composers, worked on a number of high-profile AAA games, and is probably best known for being the composer on um, Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. So the post is on Lawhead's personal website, and it's extremely long, and it kind of details a mentor-mentee relationship that turned into alleged sexual abuse, alleged rape, and further career bullying by the composer. It also heavily describes her terrible experience contracting as a game developer and getting pushed around by interdimensional interactive CEO who which is who is like best friends with the composer that is accused of all these horrible acts. Um, best friends the CEO's best friends with that composer and uh, she has a lot of emails and messages pertaining to the latter about getting pulled around by a contract developer. And those are absolutely undeniable and very unprofessional. Um, so that post went wild, uh, got spread all the way around the internet. You know, I saw it on Monday. After that post, another person came forward to speak about the same composer in question, vocalist Ariali Brighton, for which she described a very kind of similar tone of what this composer said and did and a sequence of events very similar to lawheads along with the composer allegedly sending her a video of himself masturbating brighton said that she met other artists and other vocalists that have also received the same or similar video of the composer so the composer in question has both denied both allegations um and after that more developers kind of came forward with stories of their own abuse and sexual assault so Adelaide Gardner wrote an account of splash da- of a splat- tools programmer at Splash Damage who allegedly assaulted her. Um, narrative designer Meg J.N. made multiple accusation- accusations against Weather Factory and Fell Better Games founder, for which other developers actually came out and reiterated those claims, both reiterating Meg's story and I was also coming forward with very similar claims to what she had documented. Um, the marketing director at Owl Academy Labs, Autumn Rose Taylor, accused one of the Oculus co-founders of touching her inappropriate when she was testing the Oculus VR's equipment. This alleged assault happened in a hotel room. She had the VR equipment on her face, and he started touching her inappropriately, and she documents that. Um, 
However, no story was more kind of impactful than Depression Quest developer Zoe Quinn's story of Alec Halaka. So Quinn accused Alec Halaka, who is best known as the co-creator of Nine in the Woods, which was the winner of the IGF 2018 Seamus McNally Grand Prize Award, which I think is the number one award at the IGF. Um, Quinn accused Halaka of sexual assault and emotional abuse that took place when she visited him on a trip to Winnipeg. Um, Yeah, so the story kind of is like uh, Zoe Quinn was low on funds. She went to visit him with the intention and kind of documented that he intended to pay for her trip home. And then what kind of happened uh, was a bit of a hostage situation, and it started with what she alleges is emotional abuse. And then he further kind of just like took it from there and things just kept getting worse. So two developers that worked extremely close with Halaka came out in support of Quinn. And surprisingly, it's the co-creator of Night in the Woods, Scott Benson and Matt Thorson. Um, Well, the co-creator of Night in the Woods, Scott Benson, and then also Matt Thorson, who worked with Halaka on Towerfall Ascension. So both kind of state that, they knew Halaka super well, and they believed the accusations and stories, even though they weren't there, because what Quinn describes is exactly what their experience with Holaka was, and they could see exactly what she says happening pretty much word for word verbatim. So following Quinn's allegations, the rest of the Night in the Woods team cut ties with Holaka and canceled the game they're currently working on. Night in the Woods publisher Finji also came out and supported the team's decision to cut ties with Halka, and CEO Rebecca Saltzman wrote about a zero-tolerance-relating harassment. So this all went down throughout the week. Um, it was kind of like a, a domino effect, right? So um, Lawhead had her post. That got spread around the internet. Quinn went to Twitter and kind of like recounted her uh, alleged emotional abuse and sexual assault. And then kind of the developers around uh, Alec Hawaka came out in support of Quinn. And then, you know, the publisher came out and then everyone cut ties with him. And Saturday morning, Eileen Mary Hawaka, sister to Alec Hawaka, announced Alec, Alec has died. Um, his sister stated, quote, Alex, Alec was a victim of abuse, and he also spent a lifetime battling mood and personality disorder. I will not pretend that he was not also responsible for causing harm, but deep down inside, he was a person who wanted to offer people care and kindness. It took him a while to figure out how. Over the last few years with therapy and medication, Alec became a new person, the same person he'd always been, but without any of the darkness. He was calm and happy and positive and loving. Obviously, change is a slow process, and it wasn't perfect but he was coming towards rehabilitation and a better life, end quote. Um, yeah, so you can read between the lines what probably happened. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's just really, really depressing because, you know, no one would wish any of this on anyone. And I didn't want to say any of the names of the accusations, um, I'd done that before earlier. I've been recording this podcast for over a year and a half. And, you know, I was very quick to just kind of blurt out accusations that spewed up online over, without any real due diligence or follow up or 
you know, there was one time where I spewed on an accusation and then it ended up not being true. And I didn't even do a rebuttal story like I guess a professional journalist would do. Um, so I didn't want to say any names of the accusation uh, of the people accused of these heinous acts, except for Alec Waka, who had further news in the week. So, and I want to call out, it's not that I don't believe any of, it's not that I don't believe any of the accusers, right? And I, I do believe them. And I do believe people have the right to share their stories. And I think all the power to them. Um, I am not the judge or jury. And, you know, I guess I would like to see a more formal complaint before I call out famous people in the industry. But again, I'm not saying I don't believe them, and I encourage everyone to, I don't believe the accusers, and I encourage everyone to easily just Google any of the things that I said, and you'll see most gaming sites and Twitter and everyone else uh, has covered these stories ad nauseum, and you can read exactly who these people are and avoid them and uh, move on with your life and not have these horrible problems. I also particularly want people to read um, Natalie Lawhead's account. And that's because it also provides a great example of getting screwed over as a contract developer. So I think that's worth checking out. I encourage anyone to check out exactly who these people are and what the accounts are. Um, and I a hundred percent encourage everyone to avoid anyone who has accusations like this floating around. Um, yeah, I, I worked in, you know, environments that, I knew were pretty bad when I was going into them, uh, and they ended up being exactly what the environment was accused of being and more. So, um, again, I don't deny any of these. I just don't want to badmouth anyone. And, um, yeah, it's just really terrible. It's just a terrible thing in the industry, and I wish this on no one. And I'm glad people are bringing this to the forefront and talking about their experience. All right. So there was some business news this week. I'll cover that really fast, um, and then we'll move on. So first up, Warner Brothers Interactive opens a new San Diego studio. So Carlsbad in North County, San Diego, will be the location for the new Warner Brothers Interactive studio. The studio will be headed up by Tom Casey, who turned kind of the failing MMO developer Turbine into a top-grossing mobile studio that will put it Game of Thrones Conquest and Golf Clash. So... Turbine is probably most known for Dungeons & Dragons Online and The Lord of the Rings Online, um, neither of which really caught on fire after their first year of release. Um, and yeah, he turned it around. They're outputting top grossing. Like, I think Game of Thrones Conquest darts in and out of top 10 grossing uh, on iOS and Android. The San Diego studio will focus on free-to-play games for smart devices. I'm assuming smart devices means mobile phones, I guess. I, I don't think they're making stuff for... Um, Amazon and Google's <laughs> virtual assistants. Yeah, pretty interesting. You know, there's a lot of studios. I just came from Zynga San Diego, so I know that area pretty well. There's Redemption Games, there's Zynga San Diego, there's High Moon Studios, Rockstar San Diego, Psionics. Um, who else? There's a few other studios out there. The, um, the Bartleby, whatever, Detective Agency, uh, the one that was run by that one kind of famous developer that just got shut down, that was in the San Diego area. There's also Tryon. I don't know if Tryon's still up and running, 
There's a Sony studio down there. So there's a lot of game developers, surprisingly, in the San Diego area. And uh, (laughs) I think Warner Brothers is going to poach all the top talent from all these studios. Like, um, yeah, big, shiny new studio getting built. So we'll see how that does. And we'll see. uh, Let's see what type of game they output. All right, next up, Playtika acquires Seriously, Seriously being the developer behind the hit Best Fiend. So Israeli-based Playtika, probably best known for the social slot mega hit Slotomania. I think that thing, uh, Slotomania is kind of like a, a metaphor for gold printing machine. <laughs> um, Playtika has acquired its second major studio this year after acquiring German mobile studio Wuga for a reported $100 million in December. So seriously formed in 2013. It's primarily known for, it's like a Puzzles and Dragons inspired game, uh, Best Fiends. In 2018, seriously reported that they made $69 million in revenue and employs 75 people. So pretty interesting acquisition. I mean, considering Playtika's strengths are min-maxing solved genres like social slots, that's kind of where their strengths are. They have a ton of social slots games, and obviously they... They have Slotomania, which is just, I'm sure, insanely successful. To me, it's a further sign of consolidation on the mobile industry. Right now, cost of growth is so much, so much, that it's much cheaper to acquire a company and another genre to try to build a game and, like, climb that, you know, climb those discoverability rankings with CPI and LTV uh, ratios or, you know, what else are you going to do? You know, Playtika pretty much dominates social casinos. I mean, they there's a few areas like Zynga owns Texas Hold'em, Playtika owns Slots. Um, I mean, what else is there? I guess I don't think anyone plays like craps, you know, on their mobile phone. So, yeah, I mean, what else is Playtika going to do? Build another slot machine and compete against themselves and cannibalize potentially some of their like second and third tier slot machine games or, you know, it, it just makes sense, right? And it's just interesting. I, I wouldn't think Playtika would go after this genre. I would think they would go after like a more traditional match three. This is more of a, like I said, Puzzles and Dragons inspired match three, match RPG. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll have to see. Next up, Messenger Game develop, Developer Knock Knock raises $4 million in Series A. So Knock Knock makes games for WeChat and Facebook Insta games and is most known for a game called golf buddies they claim to have over five million installs which i didn't think you installed these games so i guess the five million unique users and uh they've raised over six million dollars since their inception in june 2018 i covered uh their initial seed round it's kind of weird there's no denying that wechat and line so wechat in china line in japan can make tons of money off of uh these kind of like insta html5 games that get delivered to your messenger platform but that's mostly in asia and it's hard to estimate what top developers are making on facebook insta games and what not knock is pulling it uh i think the fact that they're only raising four million for series a says a lot um but facebook is pulling uh insta games back to the big blue app and off of messenger so that should unlock a lot of uh discovery virality you know other options ways of targeting users by developers so we'll have to see where that kind of goes i don't know i don't know where these insta games go you know they could really lazy load insta games and you could probably get them up to like pretty crisp 3d graphics right now they just look like flash games a lot of times um 
yeah, and with cloud gaming, it's another one where it's like, how are Insta games going to, they're already kind of like a second tier market. How are these Insta games going to change when cloud gaming comes in? You know, is cloud gaming, if cloud gaming kind of takes over mobile like it wants to with 5G technology and then mobile gets designated second tier, what does that leave these games? There's a lot of problems to solve. It's very interesting field though, because I still think one thing these Insta games, you know, like WeChat, Line, uh, Facebook, all these things, they unlock the social graph and unlock kind of like social play even snap games i forgot about them sorry snap um they unlock social play way better than anything else right so you have to connect yeah on like mobile you have to sign in with facebook and facebook's not going to give you all the social graph to discover people and you know you really have to go and find people and a lot of them have their own like matchmaking services but if it's built into these social networks that's where the power is it's just like where do these messenger games go so it's pretty interesting. We'll have to see what Knock Knock does. I mean, they're they're really the biggest thing outside of like Game Closure, who doesn't really raise money, so they don't pop up on this show. But Knock Knock's kind of like the only person going around raising money for this platform. So we'll have to keep an eye on them. All right, last up, Playful, developer behind VR's hit title Lucky's Tale, secures $23 million in funding. Wow. So Playful is a VR developer that started in 2015 and raised $25 million to make their Oculus bundled VR game Lucky's Tell. So Lucky's Tell was bundled with some of the earlier versions of the Oculus Rift. Um, recently, Playful has taken Lucky's Tell to non-VR platforms like Xbox One and will soon launch on the Nintendo Switch. So interesting, interesting strategy for VR companies. I mean, like, if you're going into VR right now, you're not going into VR for money. I think everyone, everyone kind of knows VR isn't is X years away from making money. Now, what you tell your investors, oh, we're two years away. And then in reality, what you tell in the studio, we're 10 years away. These VR companies are great and they're making great content. They just have to wait for the market to catch up. So it's an interesting strategy for VR companies. You know, make your make your VR first game, right? And then just support your studio and give a longer tail to your revenue, port the game to the other platforms, how it's appropriate, like take away features, you know, make sure it makes sense where like you're not looking around, you're using the right joystick to look around and so on. Um, however, it's just like it's crazy because with the shuttering of entire VR platforms, entire VR publishers, entire VR studios, I can't say VR is where I'm putting my money down. And so it's it's pretty impressive that Playful was able to raise $23 million. And I'm curious to see what what they kind of said and what that $23 million is going to go for. So we'll have to keep an eye out there as well. All right, that's it. That's it for this week in games. I'm Eric McConnell. Um, this is our Labor Day special. I know I'm late, but hey, it's a three-day weekend. Um, and yeah, I'll be back next week to break down all the video game industry news for everyone. So until then, take care and bye.